Welcome to the Care to Change podcast. We're grateful to have you join us today. This month, we're talking about kids and parenting. On today's episode, you'll hear our counselor, Jared Jones, talk with April about how to bring out the best in your kids. Thank you for being a part of this conversation as we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Care to Change podcast. This month, starting in April, we are beginning a new series of podcasts talking about kids and parenting. So learning how to help parent your kids in good and healthy ways to promote their mental health. Some of the topics that we're going to be talking about this month are um, connecting with your kids, correcting unacceptable behavior, um, knowing when to get help for your kids and what the Bible says about helping your kids. But today we're going to start off this month by talking about how to bring out the best in your kids. And today April is going to be sharing her wisdom on how to help bring out the best in your kids. April, thank you for always being here. It's good to be here. Yeah. All right. So first, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and kind of your experience with parenting? Sure, sure. So I have been working with kids for more than 25 years. And uh, as it relates to parenting, you know, read hundreds and hundreds of books on this topic. I'm also a parent. I have two teenagers. And so, and my favorite of all books and all methods is what I'm going to talk about today as it relates to how to bring out the best in your kids. And it's based on a method that's an evidence-based method. That's what we say in the mental health field. It's Mm -hmm. called TBRI. It's an acronym, of course. It stands for Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And it's really based on decades and decades of attachment and sensory processing and neuroscience research. Uh, But at the heart of it is connection. And that's today's topic really is how do we bring out the best in our kids? So yeah, so I'm coming with uh, years of experience as a therapist, working with lots of families and obviously being a parent myself as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure all of our listeners are eager to hear what you have to share today. And you caught my attention when you talked about neuroscience as being the (laughs) resident brain science nerd here. I am excited to hear what you have to share. So why don't you get us started off? Let's hear how we can bring out the best in our kids. Yeah. So I want to preface this conversation by saying, you know, as a parent and having two teenagers, uh, I have a a girl teenager and a boy teenager and they I'm I'm saying this for what is right not what I always do so I think one of the messages I wanted to to give to the listeners today is it's not about perfection it's about consistency because there is no perfect parent and Mm -hmm. even though I've studied this and worked with you know I don't even know how many families and kids I'm not coming here saying this is how to do it because this is the way I do it this is how I strive. Um, this is what I know is best. It doesn't mean as a human that I that I'm doing this always. So right. I want to just say, you know, as a as a person who isn't perfect and a parent who definitely isn't perfect, I'm just going to tell you what works and let you, as a listener, pick and choose what you feel like you can do, and hopefully give some solutions so that you know um, we're bringing out the best in our kids because that's what we want as parents. Absolutely. So, and and really, this information today and uh, in, in the series is based is based on a principle we call empowering, and this is empowering kids to be at their best. And so, we want to bring out our kids' best as parents, 
the first time we hold our children, whether it's through adoption or or birthing our children, you know, you're you're holding this little one, and you're there's this love and commitment, and this fear, healthy fear of now, what do I do? And um, even for me, the first time I held my son, thinking, wow, all of those years of working with kids and families and researching and studying and reading, it sort of went out the door. And I even felt like, well, now what am I supposed to do? Even even having the knowledge sitting there in that moment, I remember thinking, they're going to let me take this little human. Yeah. I remember you and Mike saying that exact same thing on one of our previous podcasts about parenting. It's like, I, they're letting me take this child home. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Even, even though I had the book knowledge and the experience, living it is so different. So we expect, we want the best for our kids. We naturally want them to be successful, happy, you know, God-fearing, productive adults, right? That's Mm -hmm. really, we wish for our kids. We want them to have a life that's fulfilling and meaningful and makes a difference in the world. And, you know, for me as a, a person of faith, I want my kids to follow God and do what he wants. And so this is the initial desire. And then, and then all of a sudden we have these two humans that are imperfect or three or four or five, depending on how many are in the house, right? living together in real life hits. And kids push our buttons, which means we're not at our best. And kids have their own buttons, which means they're not always at their best. And so we want as parents to like, well, what do we do? You know, what are some practical things I can do? Yeah. So I want to begin first by saying to parents, and and maybe they don't want to hear this, but this is the reality. So I'm just going to shoot straight with the parents out there. If we're not doing our own work at being our best, there is no way we're going to bring out our best in our kids. Right. Yeah. So really, if I'm not bringing my best version of myself into each interaction with my child, there is no way I'm going to bring out their best. Right. So I'm the adult. It's up to me to bring my best first. So whatever that means for me, mind, body, spirit, taking care of my Mm -hmm. my body, taking care of my mind, taking care of my spirit so that I am at my best so that when I have this connection or connection opportunity with my child, that that's the place I begin with. Right. And I see that time and time again. I I myself am not a parent, but I work with kids Mm -hmm. and teens and often you see that kids will model after the behavior of their parents. That's how they learn. We think that we teach our kids by teaching them, by what we're intentionally telling them, but really they pick up on everything that we do. So how we choose to live our lives and what we choose to do in our own like decisions, Mm -hmm. that's what our kids pick up on. So even if we tell our kids, you know, what's that thing? Do as I say, not as I do. Right. They're going to do what you do because that's how they learn. Right. It's in some of my most frustrating moments as a parent and talking with, you know, lots of other parents is when our kids are acting like us, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, Oh, I see myself in that behavior right there. And I've specifically said, don't do these things. And there they are doing those things or behaving in that way. And the only thing I can do is look in the mirror and Mm -hmm. say, if it's difficult for me to change those things, I have to give them grace and knowing it will be difficult for them as well. So number one is really bringing your best version of yourself to the table, whatever that means for each person. And sometimes, let's be honest, parents, it means you need a break. So in order to bring out the best in your kids and to be at your best, sometimes you need a break. 
And so that means taking care of yourself and getting those breaks. So first of all is, is that, and the second is knowing that no one and no child is perfect. And so it's not about expecting perfection from them. It's about offering grace when they make a mistake so that you can disciple them through the process. So a lot of bringing out your best in your kids comes with a mindset of looking at them through your best eyes and seeing the best, even when their behavior isn't representing who you know they can be. Oh, yeah. So that's that's difficult. Now, what I will say, and just if just fundamentally, uh, and Jared, you can speak into this with your neuroscience background, we know as it relates to attachment, sensory processing and neuroscience that there is no way any person, whether it's a child, a teen, a young adult, an adult is at their best if they haven't taken care of themselves. So if we are expecting or wanting to bring out the best in our kids, I'm going to give you two specific strategies that are practical strategies to use. The first one is physiological. So if, if we want to look at how the body and the brain works, Again, this means that we need to offer, we need to help to manage glucose levels. Mm -hmm. We need to offer hydration and nutrition. And this isn't just handing them a snack. It's what the quality is, uh, what the quantity is, and what the frequency is. And we know Mm -hmm. with kids, they need small snacks every couple of hours. They're not like adults where we've trained our bodies, and and not that I agree with this, but we've trained our bodies to go hours and hours at a time without eating. But we've also said we're hangry, right? This is an adult term, but we see it with our kids. So if we want to bring out the best in our kids, we need to create an environment that's set for them. So taking care of their physiological needs by offering regular snacks. When, when kids are younger, a lot of parents will say, I, you know, I'm trying to help them eat dinner at the dinner table and they want to have snacks before and, and I'm afraid they're not going to eat dinner. And, and is the dinner about the connection around the table or is it around giving them nutrition? Because if it's around giving them nutrition and the kids are telling you that they're hungry, you can give them nutrition and still have the connection at the dinner table, whether they're eating or not. And so is that really a mountain that you want to climb, right? As a parent, Mm -hmm. because ultimately we just want them to have the nutrition their body needs. So if a child is saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And, and dinner's not for another hour. And you're saying, just wait, it's almost, it's only an hour away for an adult. Again, we've taught our bodies right or wrong to power through that. But for a child whose brain is really developing, when they say they're hungry, they're probably over hungry, right? Yeah. And so if they're saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, even crackers and cheese, or a glass of milk and some fruit. That will do wonders, it will help them to kind of stay off that grouchiness that we see in our kids, mm-hmm. and even ourselves for that matter. And so does it matter if they have cheese and crackers or a glass of milk and some fruit, you know, an hour before they eat? Does it really, like, let's be honest parents, does it matter or are you gonna fight with them for the entire hour because they're hungry? So if we're gonna wanna, if we want to bring out the best, sometimes we have to look at the bigger picture. Yeah, you know, and I think sometimes we get caught up on. I want to have dinner around the table. We're all going to eat together. Like, well, is dinner really about connection, or is dinner really about the nutrition? If it's about the nutrition, then as long as they have the nutrition, then make it about the connection. So, balancing protein and and carbohydrates to keep the blood sugar levels 
even is going to help Mm -hmm. in mood stability. So if we're offering our kids junk often and frequently, we're not going to get the best from our kids. Uh, And so, you know, this is sort of an ouch moment, even for myself, because the drive through, let's be honest, is super convenient. Yep. But it's not always what's best for their bodies or ours. And so uh, we need to really give them good nutrition, avoiding the caffeines and the and I'm not saying 100% never give your kids this that's not and we have a health and wellness counselor here Tracy type and who can walk through how to provide healthy meal options and snacks and it's not about no you can't have x y or z it's not about that just know that there is an impact to the body yeah. and so there's a time and place and that shouldn't be the primary source of sustenance for your kids if you're mm-hmm. wanting to bring out the best so considering allergies, sensitivities, and that sort of thing. So food and snacks is the same as hydration. We know that the brain, if it is dehydrated, begins to drop the same hormone that is seen when kids have seizures. And so the behavior, the irritability can look really extreme and it can be a dehydrated brain. Oh, wow. So what I'm saying is parents have water bottles everywhere in your house. And this is one of my biggest irritations at home. We have empty water bottles laying everywhere, but guess what? They're empty because they're drinking them, right? So, okay, if that means their brains are hydrated, you know, cars need gas, brains need water. So give them the hydration that's needed if you want to bring out the best in them. It sounds so simple, but even when you pick your kids up from school or you're going on a trip, you know you're gonna be in the car more than a couple of hours you know, have a little basket of water and snacks in the car so that in on hour three, when their blood sugar levels are changing and their hydration issues are coming out and mm-hmm. they don't know this, kids aren't saying, I think my brain is dehydrated. Like they don't know that. Even as adults, we don't know that. Right. But as adults, it's our responsibility to, to say, oh, it's been a couple of hours. They haven't, you know, if we see our kids getting irritable or frustrated, ask yourself as a parent, what have they eaten in the last two hours? And what have they had to drink in the last two hours? And right then and there can help to solve a lot of irritability and frustration, just something so simple, because we know bodies need that uh, to be able to survive and to thrive. Another foundational piece of this is rest. So we know that throughout the day, we experience stress, different levels of stress, depending on what our lives are, depending on how our bodies are wired, But when we experience stress, we know that our bodies are dropping cortisol, right? And so our bodies go into this maybe fight, flight, freeze, depending on the levels and all of this. And so what we know is at the end of the day, the best way to reduce that cortisol, one, exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Breathing, because that'll drop some endorphins. And so we want to give our kids opportunity for movement, but also opportunity for rest. If we want to bring out the best in our kids, they need to get sleep and they need to get movement which means sitting in front of a TV or a screen isn't the best for their brains or bodies and is not going to give you the best version of them. And then lots of parents say, it doesn't matter whether I give them 10 minutes or two hours of sitting on that dang computer or on that video game. Whenever I ask them to get off, it's always a big, you know, blah, 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 blah. So fill in the blank. And um, well, yeah, kids need to move. And what are they doing most of the time during the day at school? They're sitting a lot. Maybe some of the younger ones have recess still, but I know as they get older, they sort of remove that from the the day schedule. And so I know 
uh, even for my teens, when they come home from school, it's not come home and sit and plop down again because you've been sitting all day. Go outside, get fresh air, move your body, get some nutrition, hydrate. That's going to be the best version of them, right? So it sounds super easy and practical, but the reality is it's based on research. You can confirm this, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you want to bring out the best in your kids, support their bodies, make sure they're getting rest, make sure their bodies are moving, getting fresh air, give them the hydration, give them the nutrition that they need. The other piece of this is um, physiologically, and I know every child is different in this, but touch, healthy touch is, you know, a dopamine, which is the pleasure um, hormone, the feel good hormone. This is why pets are so good for kids, Mm -hmm. taking care of pets, but giving hugs, high fives, handshakes, Again, every child is different, so their tolerance for touch might be different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when children, when babies are born, holding them, you know, we've heard of the skin to skin, holding them is an important part of the development. And so that doesn't change just as they get older. Their attitudes about mom giving them a hug or dad giving them a hug might change. Right. But their need for dopamine does not. And so, you know, pets and hugs and high fives and, and those kind of things are good. And it's a good way to connect connect in a non-threatening way. So I want to encourage the art of healthy, um, you know, handshakes and hugs and high fives uh, to the degree that the parent feels comfortable and the child feels comfortable too. So I know that's sort of a touchy one, but uh, the reality is we know that it, it helps with connection. It helps with dopamine, which reduces stress. So, right. Yeah. And you just have to kind of know your kid, whether that's something they want or not. Cause I can't tell you the number of times I get moms bringing their teen sons into me and they're like, they don't want to be touched. They don't like any hugs or anything. And, you know, sometimes it, it's just how they are with their personality. But sometimes there's other things going on. Like I know oftentimes when we feel stressed that will reduce our desire for Mm -hmm. physical touch because we're not in that like calm, socialized, connect state. We're in that stress. Like I need to get out of this stress. I need to find something to distract me in that. Mm -hmm. And so it can make it hard. But when you're teaching your kids to take care of their needs, absolutely. Physical touch sounds like a, a, an important one right up there with eating and sleeping. Uh, You know, and I'm, I'm with the parents of teens because, you know, I have two teenagers, like I said, and their tolerance for mom coming over and giving them a hug time and place is important, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm not hugging them in the car line. I'm not hugging them out in public. You know, I'm not hugging them, you know, in places that, you know, that they would be embarrassed by their, their friends or whatever. So there's an element of respect in that, obviously. And in time and place, sometimes it's just like, I've been with people all day, I need space. And, and, you know, to bring out your best in your child means also respecting their space. So Mm -hmm. when they need space, respecting that for them. So the first strategy really, you know, other than bringing your best to the table is that that physical, that physiological strategy of caring for their bodies and making sure their bodies have the support that's needed. And in all of those ways, uh, because if their bodies aren't supported, they're not going to be at their best. Right. Period. It's just, if you want to bring out the best, offer them what's necessary. You can't force them to sleep. You can't force them to eat but to offer it, especially as they get older, at least offer it, have the fruit laying around, have the vegetables laying around, have the snacks out, make it available, have the water, you know, have a routine. And this really takes us into the second strategy, which according to TBRI is called ecological ecological strategy, which is really the environment. So as parents, it's hard 
to know the difference. We, it's important to know the difference between being safe and feeling safe. And every child, in order to be their best, has to feel safe. And this sounds like a, an odd concept for parents who say, well, of course my house is safe, right? But safety comes from structure, right? And so mm. in our day and age, we live on the go and we have lots of activities and extracurricular that our kids are in. And so we're constantly go, go, going. It's difficult to find routine. And if kids don't have routine, they won't be at their best. And so it doesn't matter how busy the days are or how packed they are. There still needs to be some sort of routine and predictability in order for a body, a human body, to be at ease. They have to sort of know what to expect. If you think about the times that maybe even as adults, we feel a little edgy is when we're going to a place we don't know, mm -hmm. with people we don't know, walking up to a roller coaster that we don't know what it's going to be like to be on, right? So whatever it is, if we don't know what to expect, it can put a body on edge, right? And so we want to give some sort of routine or predictability so that bodies can come at ease because we're not at our best when we're on edge. We're just not. That's not the way the human body is created. Right. So creating routine of some sort and structure of some sort will help their bodies to know this is what to expect. Okay, so I know when I get home, this is what's gonna be greeting me. This is when we're gonna have dinner. This is about the time we go to bed. This is my bedtime routine. This is what time I'm going to get up. And it, it's not, again, this isn't about perfection. It's about consistency. Because I know we have some weeks that we're just like, wow, it's just drop and go all week long. But the kids know when they go to bed, they're gonna read a little bit before bed. Um, they're going to take their showers before bed, whatever their bedtime. I'm going to go in. We're going to pray together. We're going to talk about what their biggest worry is. We're going to talk about what they're grateful for. We're going to pray. It's So even it, whether it's 9 o'clock or 1030 or 1130, depending on the night and what the plans were for the day, and at least there's a routine. And in the morning saying, good morning, and what are you looking forward to today? And how can I pray for you today? And I'm cheering for you today. And Go be your best today. Be a blessing today. It's the things that you say over and over that create that routine and predictability and every family has their own what it is yeah right so and their time is different and what the extracurriculars are but the point is to create rituals or structure that shows predictability in the family mm. and we joke in our family because saturdays is a big catch-up day for us and the kids will say you know why is dad vacuuming on a Saturday morning? We should be able to sleep in. It's sort of a joke. For a while, it wasn't funny, right? Mm -hmm. Let us sleep in or whatever, but now it's sort of a joke. We just know what's going to be happening on a Saturday. And so the kids just, oh, there it is. There's dad. He's vacuuming. So that predictability, making a schedule and, and really uh, doing things together that maybe you think as a parent you, you need to do on your own so that you can bring that connection into place and that, you know, shopping together, creating calendars together, looking at schedules together. Uh, my kids are teens, so I don't have to do this the way I did when they were in, in sort of elementary school, but we had a chalkboard. And so I would write out, you know, Sunday to Saturday and what the big plans were for the day. So they knew what to expect. On Sunday, we would do church and then we would do this and then we would do this. On Monday, who's taking who to school? what's happening after school, if there was a time, if I had to be somewhere, their dad had to be somewhere, it would be on the schedule. So they could 
look at the schedule and know what to expect for the week. And that was as much for me. So I knew who was going where Mm -hmm. as it was for them. But it was something that created a central place that they could look at and know what was predictable. Uh, Again, what is it that's going to bring out the best in our kids if our kids know what to expect from us? Yeah. You know, so setting those expectations in scheduling and instruction routine is important. So that's really what I want to leave with is, is those three three tips. I know we could, there's so much more we could talk about, but sometimes it's the very basics that we miss. And because we miss it, we get frustrated because our kids aren't behaving at their best. And we just, we want to change the behavior, but we don't want to look at the foundation, you know, of why. Right. So bring your best to the table, which means taking care of yourself, taking care of their body, whatever it is that their body needs, and also setting an environment of predictability and routine. So those are really the three, if I were going to leave parents with that. And what I would say is if you're a parent listening, you're like, well, this sounds really overwhelming. Just start with one, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just start with one. Don't overwhelm yourself with right. it. Just like, okay, we're going to set a bedtime routine. Let's start with one. Or we're going to have water in the car. You know, just start with one thing. You don't have to do it all tomorrow. It just doesn't work like that. Life isn't like that. But if, you know, they're struggling, if parents are struggling, like, ah, oh, I can't, that's the reason why we're here. So there's lots of people here at Care to Change, obviously, that can provide some research-based methods. And these are really practical, hands-on kind of methods, but they really will make a difference and really will bring out the best in our kids. Yeah. And I'll add on to that, that if you haven't had a very structured environment at home, your family's probably gotten used to that. Yeah. And so when you start some of these strategies, it may seem kind of disruptive yep. to the normal equilibrium mm-hmm. there. And so you might expect some resistance at first, yep. but maintain patience, stick with it, mm-hmm. and eventually people will come around and they'll realize that this is a more healthier way of operating the family. It's a healthier way for them to be able to know what their needs are. And eventually you'll see results for it. Yeah, absolutely. Again, not perfection, consistency. And I tell every parent that's a praying parent at the end of the day, you know, I used to just pray, Oh, God, please erase from the memories, their memories, the mistakes I made, let them keep the day knowing in the day knowing that they're loved and seen and valued and heard in this home. And so I believe that God's grace fills in the gaps uh, when we make mistakes. And when we're not on target and, you know, when it, when the structure goes to the wayside and whatever it is, like, oh, okay, got to get back to the basics sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So for the parents who are listening, do you have any resources, things to point them to that can give them some extra help? Yeah. So uh, the first one that I always recommend to parents, it's called The Connected Child. It's by Karen Purvis and m- maybe... David Cross might have helped to write that too, but The Connected Child is to me the gold star standard book for raising kids because it's science-based, but it's also really practical. Mm -hmm. There's a book called Parenting from the Inside Out by Siegel, which is a great book as well, sort of a gold star standard. And that's really about, you know, knowing what your own buttons are. So it's about doing some introspective work. And then the third one which might sound a little different, but again, it goes back to the basics for me. And that is the power of a praying parent because there are so many things and our kids are constantly changing their age and stage. And just when we think we have them figured out, they enter into a new stage of development. And so they're always ahead of us growing and developing. And so we can't stay the same because they're moving, they're moving forward. And so 
the power of a praying parent book is an easy, you know, at the end of the day, just, I can't even say how many times I've read through that. Just it's based on topics. Uh, You can read through it, but it's just such a, okay, I'm going to bring this back to God because I don't know how to parent this child in this way. So I'm going to go back to the basics and, and pray and ask God for wisdom that he promises to give us. And then there's a series of books that I have used since maybe first grade. Now I have high schooler, but, and there's one for every grade and it's called parenting your first grader or parenting your second grader or parenting your third grader. It's based on the grade. And it's a really practical, very small book that says, this is how many more weekends you have with them. This is developmentally where they may be These are things that you can expect from them. These are things you can do. These are chores that are age appropriate. These are fun things that they enjoy doing. So it sort of just keeps you moving forward as they're moving forward, keeping things fresh. So there's a whole series based on the grade that the kids are in. And it's never too late to begin to implement nope. these strategies. No, nope. your, your kids are never far gone, right? So mm-hmm. it's never too late. You know, I'm surprised you haven't said it, probably because I haven't given you a word in edgewise to be able to say it. But, you know, kids' brains are not fully developed until their mid-20s, mm-hmm. mid to late, depending on what research you read. And so it's not too late to help their brains develop and and function and to bring out the best in them. Yeah. So even if you have like two years, one year left with the kid in the house, they're about to launch into their life, go off to college, you can still be beginning these healthy strategies to help your kids. Yep. Mm -hmm. And how how reparative if, you know, if it hasn't gone that way to begin that, to, to begin those habits now. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing this wisdom today, April. Yeah. I'm I'm very intrigued by this. I'm sure the parents are grateful for those who are listening. So if you like today's content, I want to invite you to stick around with the podcast this month. We have some great topics coming up. Next week, we'll be um, having Brittany Smith on the podcast talking about connecting with your kids. Then after that, Mike will talk about correcting unacceptable behavior. And in the final week this month, I'll be back on the podcast talking about when to get help for your kids and what the Bible says about helping your kids. So that's fun. That's a good one. If any of those seem interesting to you, stick around. Uh, We have some great content this month and we hope to see you back to join us for then. Thank you again, April. And hope you guys join us later this month. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.